Luke 11, starting at verse 1. This is God's word. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because, of, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give, uh, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, as Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous um, British pastor of previous generation, said this, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. In Luke 11, Jesus is wanting to teach, encourage, inspire his disciples, his followers to come face to face with God and to learn how to pray. Some of his disciples actually hear Jesus pray and this leads them to ask a question, Lord, will you teach us to pray, which he's really willing to do. When you pray, pray like this. And so Jesus, through this text, wants to teach us and encourage both them then and us now how to come face to face with God and to pray. And there's probably four ways we can work through all of this text. We're not going to do that this morning. But I think there's four big things that come out in this text of how Jesus does that. Firstly, you have this this template for prayer in verses 1 to 4. And we're going to look at that in a few moments. He has this attitude that he asks us to adopt whenever we pray. This whole story of uh, this man sort of banging down the door of a friend late into the night. This attitude of shame, this boldness and persistence in prayer. Then we have this promise for prayer. In verses uh, 9 to 10, you'll ask and keep on asking. It's going to be given to you. And then we have this picture that Jesus wants us to hold in our mind as we approach God in prayer. That uh, don't think of God as being like a stingy father. No, he's a good father who loves to give good gifts. So this whole text, the thrust, the aim of it all is to uh, teach and encourage and inspire us to pray. And we're only going to look... very quickly this morning, just at these, this template for prayer that we find in verses 2 to 4, more commonly known as, as the Lord's Prayer. I don't know what, I know this doesn't happen at my son's uh, school at the minute, but I know whenever I was at, 
at school, at high school. We used to say this every day. Was that the same experience for most of these guys? You would have went to assembly and um, something would have been read from the Bible. Uh, headmaster would have led in prayer, read from a book. And then the whole school in unison would have um, prayed the Lord's Prayer. I was a Christian at 15 and I had enough knowledge at that stage you know, that some of the prayers that the headmaster was reading from the book were dodgy. <laughs> were dodgy. And then after that there, they would pray the Lord's Prayer together. And in one sense, this was a good thing. But in another sense, for the majority of students, it just became a meaningless and thoughtless mumbling of the prayer, didn't it? Even if they bothered to say it. It was a sort of repeating of empty phrases. It actually became the very kind of praying that Jesus was kind of not wanting people to engage in. When in the parallel passage where he speaks in Matthew 6 and teaches the Lord's Prayer, he says to his disciples back then, and when you pray, uh, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. It felt an assembly, you know, at Belfast High School those days that we were just using the Lord's Prayer, but in the same sense, just emptying, em, you know, heaping up empty phrases as we said this. No, I don't think we're meant to think of the Lord's Prayer. I think it's, it's fine to say as a standalone prayer and repeat it word for word. I think it's a good thing if we say it thoughtfully and meaningfully. But I think what Jesus has given his disciples here is, is a pattern to follow in prayer or a model to copy in prayer. Or I'm going to call it today a, a template that you fill in and expand on. Now, I know that sounds like the worst way to maybe describe the Lord's Prayer. It's a template, like how boring that sounds. But I, I use the template because I think it does hit very um, well what this prayer is. Uh, whenever I, I used to work for a, a smaller uh, structural engineering consultancy, and we uh, would have done a lot of house surveys. And, um, you know, doing a house survey, you know, the type of house survey you need to get of your cell in your house, and the, the, the surveyor says you need to do a structural engineer's report on this. And so we would have been sent in to do a report on the house. And if you've never done that before, and I've never done it before, worked for a bigger firm that really didn't do that, that can be quite daunting. How, how do you do that? I've never been taught that at university, how to go about it. Um, and, you know, it can be the same for prayer, can't it? Here we're praying. And God, how do we do it? How do we go about it? And so I, I found any way you went in and, you know, you've got this blank bit of paper and you're, you're walking around the house and, you know, to look as if you know what you're doing, the best thing to do is just to start wrapping walls, you know, tap a wall here and tap a wall there and it definitely looks as if you know what you're doing whenever you're walking around the house doing that. And, um, but you, you start with a blank bit of paper and you worked around your house and you looked at all the different things and you recorded it all. And then just as I was about to leave this firm, my uh, boss, who has extensive experience who, uh, of, of doing house surveys, developed a template. And I said, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I needed from the start whenever I was doing these house surveys. Not a blank bit of paper, but a template. And on that template, there was a place where it says, right, house name, house address, you know, type of house, is it detached, semi-detached, you know, roof construction, um, you know, any physical signs of settlement from the outside, draw we sketch, any cracks, walk into the building, room one measure, blah, 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 boring, 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 engineer talk, you know, 
Look up, is there a damp patch here? Look, there's a crack. Is that a crack? Yeah, but there's a crack, you know. So, um, you know, looking around and filling things in, filling and expanding on these major headings that he given this template, it was fantastic. It, it, you could see how something like that could just help someone who'd never done this before to know how to oh. Thank you. Didn't know what to do. It's um, it's fantastic. Um, so I want this to see this morning that here is Jesus, and he is a master prayer. He's lots of experience with this, and he comes to us and he says, "Look, here's my template. Here's some major headings." Here's things for you to fill in and expand on whenever you're praying. And that helps, doesn't it? That really, really helps. And so I just want us to look this morning at these these headings, these major themes that Jesus gives to us to guide and help us in our praying. And here's the first one. Jesus teaches us to pray to God as your father. Jesus called God father in prayer. These disciples would have heard Jesus calling out and going, my father, my father. And here Jesus turns to us and says, I want you to call God the same title as I call him. Call him your father. This word Abba, this personal, close, intimate, respectful title used by Jewish children to address their father. Beautiful. You know, as I was saying this morning, I have um, an 18-month-old, and she's still, thankfully, the other three have left this stage, but, you know, she still thinks I'm the greatest thing in the world. You know, and whenever I come, come into the room, um, she just runs over. If it's after a day's work I come in, she runs over, uh, gives me a big hug, and she's obviously been watching too much of Give My Head Peace because she addresses me as da, you know, da, da, da. And just gives me this, runs to me and gives me this huge embrace. Money couldn't buy it. And because of Jesus, here's Jesus teaching us this morning to say, what is prayer? Prayer is running to God as your father and knowing his warm embrace. All the time, no matter how long it's been since you were there last, All the time, he is waiting with open arms to welcome and embrace you as his child. He already loves you. He already welcomes you. He already accepts you as his sons and daughters. And this is liberating for prayer. You know, our default thought as we come to prayer is not, I'm a warrior in prayer. No, that's not it. Our default thing should be, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You don't have to pray to impress God with your prayers. You get to pray because you've already gifted a place in God's family. So it's not about praying to impress God, to earn a place in God's family. You get to pray because you've already been gifted that privilege of being a member of God's family. Earned by who? Our elder brother, Jesus. You know, we are all sons and daughters, Paul said in Galatians 3, faith 
in Jesus Christ. To them who receive him and believe in his name, God gives the right to be called children of God, John 1. Or 1 John chapter 3. You know, what love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God and that's what we are. So one author writes this, we are not world-weary soldiers calling on our heavenly sergeant major. We are not overworked employees calling on on our divine line manager. We are children adopted in the sun calling on our Abba Father. So before you fill in the template, before you expand on anything, remember who God is and remember who you are. He is your father you're your, and you're his child. So pray to God as your father. Number two, pray for your father's reputation. Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed, it's an old word, word isn't it? It really means honored, revered, considered sacred and special. And probably the only place where it's probably used in our language these days is in that sort of terminology where we're talking about sports pitches, isn't it really? The hollowed ground of Wembley or the hollowed turf of Lords. And um, yeah, that's the way we refer to sports places. I, I don't know if you've ever been on um, a, tady- a, a, a stadium tour of any of these sort of big clubs in England. I know a few years ago, we went and visited Anfield. Me and my son, he's a Liverpool fan and he's indoctrinated the whole family to be avid Liverpool fans as well. And um, we uh, done the tour, it's a fantastic experience. Um, but really interesting to watch how people get on as they go out onto the pitch. And I was taken up in the moment too, but um, if you go out and get to reach up and get to touch the famous This Is Anfield sign and you walk out through the tunnel and then it's just generally everybody's seen from Gladiator. You know, seen Gladiator, Gladiator when he walks out onto the Coliseum and he does the full sort of 360 turn round and takes it all in. And that's kind of what you end up doing. You walk out, look around, drink it all in, the size of the pitch, the thousands and thousands of seats, the height of the stands. You know, you're walking where giants have walked. You get to even go and sit in Klopp's seat, you know, in the dugout and... Um, everybody's taking selfies everywhere and you know everybody's caught up in the moment you know nobody's shrugging their shoulders going so what everybody everybody in that moment's actually feeling this sense that this place is i'm here this is this is this is sacred and special place here and really it's only grass and steel and concrete yeah, it's hollowed by people. And the Bible says that's actually our big problem as humanity, to put it in this way. We hollow the wrong thing. We take created things and we think that they're the most sacred and special things and think that, that our creator is a spoil sport. Not worth knowing. And Jesus is longing to see people, longing to see the people in this community even rescued from that lie. So here in our template, God says, pray like this. Pray that God's name, his character, who is ultimately revealed in Jesus, pray that God's name would be hallowed above all other things. To change the metaphor from like a stadium to a theater, what we're praying when we pray this is that the curtain would be drawn back on God 
The spotlight would go on God and everything else in the audience would fade into the darkness and that God would become the main star and attraction, that he would take center stage, that people would see how great and glorious and good he is and would honor and revere and treat him as sacred and special in their life above all other things. That's what we're praying for. Fill in the template, expand on that theme, what does it look like to pray for God's name to be hallowed in East Belfast? Number three, pray for your pray to God as your father, pray for your father's reputation. Number three, pray for your father's rule. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. God's kingdom is the place wherever God reigns. And to pray for the father's kingdom to come, yes, ultimately is to pray for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the day when Jesus will physically come back, set up God's kingdom fully and forever on the earth. And the very last words of the Bible actually echo this prayer. Jesus says to the churches, surely I am coming. And the writer responds with the final, in the end of the last words of the Bible, this prayer, come Lord Jesus, come. Let your kingdom come. But more than just praying for us, it's not just a prayer where we kind of look ahead to the, the kingdom coming in its all its fullness as Jesus comes again. To pray this prayer is also to pray for well, people to become Christians. What happens when people become Christians is that they receive Jesus as king. There's a fundamental shift in who they see as in charge of their lives. Not me anymore, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as people accept Jesus as king, the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom spreads a little further on the earth. To use the picture of Jesus, the branches of the tree spread out a wee bit more to fill the earth. The kingdom grows. And wherever Jesus is accepted as king, there's the kingdom of God. And so we pray for that. We fill in this temple template we expand in this thing. We pray for the Father's rule to extend in the hearts of people, right from our families to our communities to right across the globe. We pray prayers like that, I'm sure, all the time. So pray for your Father's rule. But here's a challenge for us, especially as we think about planting and strengthening churches. Pray for the kingdom to come. Ask for the kingdom to come. Yes, evangelize. Yes, share the gospel. Yes, do good deeds in Jesus' name. But does this prayer not teach us that the kingdom is not a kingdom that we build up, but rather a kingdom that comes down in response to prayer? We pray for the kingdom to come. It's both. It's not just locked away in prayer and thinking that's all it and not actually acting and doing good deeds and evangelizing and seeking to share the gospel, wherever that is. But I find sometimes churches can either go to one or the other. So we're just praying and waiting for the kingdom to come or we're engaged in all this activity and we're really, really busy trying to make the kingdom come ourselves. And it's both. This prayer reminds us we ask for the kingdom to come 
and God sends the kingdom down. It's his, ultimately his work through us. So pray for your father's rule. Number four, pray for your father's provision. Give us each day our daily bread. Daily bread, what does that mean? It includes not just our food, but any of our physical needs. One author <laughs> writes this, and um, I'm just laughing because uh, I haven't had a full font in ages, but anyway, he writes this. He says, the author doesn't say, give us our daily full fonts. You know, those fancy little pastries with the mushrooms in them that I don't know, they always end up sort of, I never liked them anyway, but anyway. Jesus is not teaching us to say, give us our, day, our daily full funds or give us today our daily luxuries, but rather to give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread speaks of necessities, not selfish whims. So it reminds us of this prayer of daily bread of whenever the children of Israel were rescued from Egypt, were walking through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, and God give them manna daily to feed them from heaven. Every day God met their need. Every day except the Sabbath, they went out and collected the amount of food that they needed for that day. And so the Lord's Prayer teaches us to ask God and to rely on God every day to give us what we need as we journey through what can often feel like a spiritual wilderness to our promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. We don't live self-reliant in lives. How easy that is in our West, Western culture. We think we supply all our own needs. But God, part of prayer is recognizing, God, will you meet my need? Tell God what you need. Trust him to meet that need from the smallest need to the largest need. That might even be in the area of business, uh, your family. I was sharing this recently with our church, especially during the COVID pandemic and just in our industry kind of closed down a lot, you know. Uh, and you just, you just see where you're going, is, where's the work going to come from? He's going, God, we have a real need for you to bring him work. That's not, I, I, I don't think that's a wrong prayer to pray. I, I need a job. I need to put f- food on the table. I need to pay the bills. God, would you supply that need? And, and so we, we think, does God want to be bothered with that sort of prayer? Yes. Give us this day our daily bread. So pray for your father's, pray to God as your father. Pray for your father's reputation. Pray for your father's rule. Pray for your father's daily provision. Uh, number five, pray for your father's daily pardon. We have all their needs, and Dave touched on this during the service. All their needs to learn them, sort of our physical needs. We have the need for God's forgiveness. Uh, you know this. I know this from experience. We don't need to be taught this. As followers of Jesus means we, we haven't got it all together. If you're new here to church, you're listening, and often there's the misconception that Christians are people who've got, got it together and are living really great, sorted lives and are never making mistake, mistakes in their lives. You know, I'm a parent and I'm a husband, so I have 
you, you know, I, just, in, just in my own area of being a parent, I need God's probably uh, daily pardon every day just from being a father uh, and the amount of things you get wrong there every day. No, being a father, father doesn't mean we're perfect. Oh, yes, because of our faith in Jesus, God objectively sees us as righteous in God's sight. We're accepted, we're loved. We're forgiven, we're justified, we're declared right in God's sight. But in practice, we still fall far short of God's glory every day. We don't get on like Jesus, we sin. And so what do we do with that? Do we hide our sin? Do we beat ourselves up about our sin? No, we be honest with God and we confess our sin and we experience the joy of forgiveness every day. That's, that's the glory of the gospel. Every day, I get to experience God's forgiveness. For, 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 for losing my patience with my sons and my daughters, for you know, getting angry, for being selfish around the house, I get to experience God's forgiveness for that every day. Pray for God's, the Father's daily pardon. And then lastly, Pray for your Father's protection and power. Lead us not into temptation. We're going to be tempted to sin. Um, there's going to be times like Adam and Eve in the garden when we're going to see something, desires are going to rise up within us. And that thing that we see, is we ultimately know it's what God forbids or God doesn't want for us, but we're going to look at that and we're going to go, that looks really good. That looks as if it would be what I need in life and make me really happy. And as we face moments like this, I don't know about you, but we can often crumble if we face that alone. And what this prayer is sort of like a medicine for that there, to say, God, will, will, will you, Lord, I would just protect me even from those circumstances that those may happen. And if I end up in those circumstances where I'm just, so tempted to reach out and take something which ultimately your word says is not good for me. Will you give me the power to hold back and not reach out? Lead me not into temptation. Don't, don't let me yield to temptation, some other versions put it. We pray daily for the Father's protection and power. Uh, Lord, help me to live a godly life in an ungodly world. So that's it. That's the template. And let me encourage you, and I have, I have often found at times where maybe your, your prayer life start, stumbles and starts and you're maybe just struggling in the place of prayer. And, and how do I pray as a Christian? And going through that sort of experience can happen after being a Christian for 10 years or 12 years or 15 years. It can happen. And I want to encourage you today that you just take those six themes and you're thinking about, like, how do I start this life of prayer again? And to think through them and just maybe over the next week, just take each of them. And it mightn't take too long. It doesn't have to take too long. Some of the best prayers in the Bible you could read out in three minutes, can't you? And you just work through each of those and you go, I'm going to pray to God as my Father and think about that for a few moments. Pray for your father's reputation, maybe in your workplace, 
Pray for your Father's rule to extend throughout your family or your neighbors and your street. Pray for your um, daily needs, your daily need for physical things, your daily need for forgiveness, your daily need for protection and power, and just to work through those six things. And I assure you that if you do, you'll be starting to take those steps again to see a life of prayer built up in your life again. So let me encourage you to do that, and I just pray that this is these three few thoughts have blessed you this morning. Let, let, me, let me pray as we close. Father God, thank you so much that um, you, you, you long for your children to be in conversation with you. And um, that's not just uh, once a year or twice a year, because this prayer talks about give us this day our daily bread. There's, a, there's an ongoing daily aspect where um, you long for us to have conversation and relationship with you every day talk to you, to walk with you, to be aware that you're with us in this life. Father, that invitation blows our minds. It's been made available to us through Jesus. We confess the sin of often being so busy in life, of, of missing out on that opportunity to have a life of prayer. We confess of being uh, so um, just that we just think we can, we can get by by ourselves and we don't really need that at times in our lives. And so God, thank you for your forgiveness for our neglect of the place of prayer. We thank you for Jesus who was the perfect prayer, who never neglected the place of prayer, who died for all our sins, even the sin of us neglecting the place of prayer. And we're righteous in him. And Lord Jesus, we, I just pray that by your spirit, You'd help us to be believers who experience the joy of a close uh, relationship and rich prayer life with yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name.